On this day and age, it doesn't really seem that way, but once again, we are called to be powerful Christians. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. That is what it really means to be a Christian, that the Holy Spirit lives within you. And yet, once again today, we look around in the, in the news, in the media, we see so many people that are saying, oh, I'm a Christian too, but I'm kind of weak. Oh, they don't say that, do they? But you examine the outcome of their way of life, and that is really what you see, isn't it? Overcome by the smallest of temptations. Unable to find self-control. Unable even to go forth into the public square and proclaim what's right and what's wrong. The difference, once again, we, we circle around. We are called to be powerful. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us. If we really are Christians. Where do things start to go astray? Well, of course, we remember Satan, right? A roaring lion. He's out there freely seeking whom he may devour. His desire, the number one thing on his mind, is to separate us from God. To make us feel like we are weak. To make us feel like God's promises don't really have any effect. To bring doubt into our minds, to bring blackness into the light that God would provide. And unfortunately, perhaps one, one of the number one ways that he likes to, to deceive us, to change our culture, is yeah, through humor. And the reason I say this unfortunate is because we, we like to laugh, don't we? We like to, to find some joy. We like to be able to you know, share funny stories with each other. We like to you know, be happy. But you know what Satan does? He takes the reverent things of God and begins to have people make fun of those things, doesn't he? And so you turn on your, your news, you're listening to the local radio station, you're watching maybe your, your favorite sitcom on the, the television, and, and what is happening, right? We're, we're talking about some of the holy, reverent things of God, and they begin to make jokes of that. And, and in fact, maybe that the central character appearing in your TV series today that's a Christian, he bears the brunt of the chunk. Or 
You go out into the world today and you're trying to live the Christian life only to have other people make fun of you. To make fun of your standards. So the co-workers standing around the water cooler are snickering behind your back. Oh, they're so and so. They think they're so holy. Ah, right? They're bonding together by making fun of you who are out there representing God. You who are out there doing things in the right way. You who are still morally sound in your decisions. But perhaps for some of you, you feel like you're the only one in the place where you work, or the, the place where you go to school, or the apartment complex in, in which you live. And that becomes hard, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? Who wants to be the brunt of a joke? Who wants to have other people mocking and ridiculing the way that they lead their mind? And, and certainly, you know, I, I understand what enough of that kind of a thing comes your way, it's very easy to just kind of throw your hands up and say, you know what, maybe I'm not going to talk about Christ in my apartment complex anymore. And maybe when I go to my job, I'll just be very professional and I won't say a word about God's standard. And maybe when I'm attending that, that secular university, I'll just sit in my classroom and I'll shut up and I'll just kind of take notes about the things the teacher says and I'll pass the, the test so I can get the grade and I can graduate and go on my way. It's easy to get in that position, isn't it? It's so very easy to become a weak Christian. It's so very easy to begin to forget that, yes, as Christians, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. It's so very easy to begin to make soft choices and easy decisions. To not bear the brunt of the joke. To just kind of be, yeah, undercover, so to speak. I think we've all been there at times, haven't we? The undercover Christian. I don't want to be noticed. I don't want people to, to pay attention to me. I'm just going to kind of fade into the background. I'm just going to kind of do my job. And I'm certainly never going to speak about Christ unless directly questioned by someone else. And hey, how often does that really ever happen? Right, when is the last time you were just were in, in the store, you know, minding your own business, and, and someone came up to you and, and they said, Tell me about Jesus. There's kind of a glow about you. And you seem like one that, that maybe knows him. Right? And, 
And so there we are, and we're being undercover, and you know, we don't want people laughing at us, and we're just kind of going through our motions, and we forget. We are God's children. And now certainly God desires for everyone to be saved and he desires for everyone to come to the knowledge of him. He would love it if everyone in the world was his child. But let's face it, not everyone is going to be there. And that's why Jesus' words in our gospel for today were, were so offensive to the scribes and the Pharisees because Jesus, he essentially told them... Yeah, God's going to give you a couple chances. And, and yeah, the God you serve is a, a more forgiving God than any businessman that you ever dealt with, but the time is going to come when you're going to be cast out. I mean, many of you are farmers or come from farming families, and you know if you're a dad let out a piece of land and the tenant didn't pay the first time, your dad maybe would have come down on that fellow right away. He would say, wow, we went through a whole year and he didn't pay what he was supposed to at the end of the year. I'm moving that piece of property to another tenant. Well, the, the guy in our story, he gives the tenant three times, doesn't he? The first servant, they sent him away empty-handed. The second servant, they beat him. The third servant, they beat him even more. All said, my son. The one who bears the authority of my name, certainly they will listen to him. But what do the tenants do? They murder the farmer's son. They just kill him. And so now Jesus asks the question, what then do you think they will do? And of course the, the logical response is, right, we're, we're probably going to call it the law enforcement, we're maybe going to raise some mercenaries, right, we're going to go and take back that property from those people that murdered my son. We're going to take some action. And of course, the scribes and Pharisees realizing Jesus is speaking about them, what is the response? It just seems incredible, doesn't it? When they say, well, certainly not. We think we should be able to you know, just abuse God's Son anytime we want, and there should be no consequence. Everything should be fine. The difference, really, within our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, you know, we teach that a person can lose their salvation. That makes this a, a little bit different than other denominations. Other people out there are saying, hey, what's saved, always saved, you know. And as a tiny little baby, I, I got baptized, and so I can commit whatever kind of sin I want, and God will just put up with it. And that's not what we teach. Now, certainly, can we reacquire salvation? Yes, we teach that. 
Okay. But if a person dies in a lost condition, we don't believe they're going to be in heaven. No matter that they did all of these good things for 20 years, but then, you know, they, they start to lead this other life. And they never came back to God. They never came back to the church. They never once repented of their sin. We believe, like those scribes and Pharisees, that they're going to be lost. They're not going to make it. Until the Holy Spirit fills them once more, you see. Can you get it back? Yes, you can. We don't want to see people die in a lost condition. We don't want people to be in that situation. We want them going to meet the Lord with the Holy Spirit in their heart. That's where we want to see people existing. And so again, we ask that question, you know, do, do you have that Holy Spirit? Well, I think for all of you here today, considering our present culture, that we can probably safely say, you know, you folks that came out today have the Holy Spirit. Right? Because otherwise, yeah, fishing, hunting, going to something in the cities, hanging out with your friends, just sleeping in because you deserve it. There's so many different options, and in our current society, no one really cares that much if you came to the church, and in fact, just admitting to some of your friends on Monday morning that you were in church on Sunday can lead to being mocked, being ridiculed, having people point the finger at you, saying, well, what's wrong with you? You should have been out with us Saturday night instead. And you would have been too tired to go to church on Sunday. Who do you think you are? Goody two-shoes? Right? You think you're better than all the rest of us? Oh, there's Mr. Perfect. Oh, he goes to church on Sunday. You see? And that's where we live, isn't it? But we are called to remain in the Lord. And we are, yes, indeed, powerful. God Himself places within us that precious gift of His Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit enabling us to go out into a world that's wrecked with sin. A world where People can hardly care at times. A world where it's so very difficult. Yes, to be a real Christian. And when we have that Holy Spirit within ourselves, we do have wonderful abilities. The ability to resist temptation rather than fall to it every time. 
the ability to lift others up as well, rather than to run them down and ruin their reputations and mock them in return. The ability, yes, even to turn the other cheek when someone insults us. That rather than responding in kind, we can sit back patiently and bear the slings and arrows that might come our way. The ability, even the Bible says, to be chained in a prison and sing the praises of God. That would be some ability, wouldn't it? Place yourself in your mind in that situation. Because of your faith in God, you have been placed in prison. Because of your faith in God, the society you live in has maybe marked you as one that is mentally incompetent. Rather than in prison, you're in, you know, some other institution. You think God talks to you? You think you can hear his words? There's something wrong. See, you must go to this place where you're away from all these other people. And you'll live out your life there. Because you don't quite get with the program. And now there you are and there's really no way out. And maybe if you would deny the Lord, maybe you would just say, oh, I, I was making, making that up that I really could get information from uh, God. I, you know, maybe he doesn't really fill me with the power. Maybe I am just kind of like everyone else. Oh, dear. If I do those things, I can get out again. But, right, to be faithful to the living God, I decide to make my stand. But that, yes, I believe through prayer I can communicate with the living God. And yes, I believe through reading the Holy Scriptures, God communicates to me in return. And yes, I believe that He provides me power to meet the challenges of today. And yes, I will stand even in the prison, even in the mental asylum, and be able to say, the Holy Spirit is with me. And Jesus himself empowers me. <clears throat> And even though there are chains on my ankles and feet in the prison cell, even though perhaps I'm tied to the hospital bed, still I can sing the praises of my God and my King. Wow. And that's where those original apostles were. 
Now, as we begin to study secular history, we learn that you know after Judas is gone, okay, there's 11 apostles. Ten of them died a martyr's death. Ten of them were put in that position. Deny the Lord and will spare your life. Stop talking about Jesus and we'll let you go. Fade into the background. Stop pretending. Right? According to those people. It'll be okay. But no, the disciples, they stood their ground. Those disciples continued to exemplify the power of the Holy Spirit. Those disciples were, yes, in their workplaces. And they were on the road. And they were in the synagogue. And they were continuing to proclaim the truth of God's Word. We can do the same, can't we? Now perhaps for some of you, you woke up this morning and you said, oh, it's kind of foggy. Don't like to drive in the fog. You said, oh, man, it just started raining. I don't know if I want to go out in that rain. And, oh, I got to cross those railroad tracks. You know, to get across over here to the church. And, oh, I'm kind of tired and Oh, I'm kind of weary and I don't really know if the sermon is going to be that inspiring today. And oh, there's people there sometimes. There's that one that kind of bugs me. Right? There's a lot of stuff, isn't there? But the Holy Spirit living inside of you brought you up out of your bed, put you in your car, and got you over to the church. There's power in that. And there's more power still that awaits us who love the Lord. The power to deal with temptations. The power to not respond in kind when others hurt and abuse us. The power to be able to continue to be that example of Christ to our families, to our children, to our grandchildren. That power to be able to stand with Paul and say, follow me, for I follow Christ. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.